Hi, and welcome to the study of God's Word from the pulpit of First Baptist Church, Winton, California. Let's return to the book of Philippians, chapter 1, verse 1. And I promise you this will be the last sermon out of the first verse. <laughs> Philippians chapter 1, verse 1. Paul and Timothy, bondservants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi with the bishops and deacons. The Apostle Paul identifies two groups of leaders, servant leaders, servant ministers in the church at Philippi. And the two groups are bishops and deacons. Now, bishops and elders and overseers and pastors and shepherds are all the same thing in the New Testament that identify their various words that identify the chief leader of the local church congregation. Strictly speaking, in the New Testament, that chief leader is called an elder. He's called an elder. Bishops and overseers refer to what the elder does, and pastors and shepherds refer to the attitude and the characteristics that an elder is supposed to have in ministry. In most evangelical churches today, as we stated last Sunday, in most evangelical churches today, the chief leader is called the pastor which comes from the Latin pastor, which means shepherd, one who cares for the sheep. And in the sense of church leadership, it is the one who cares for the fellowship of the church. There's nothing wrong with using the title pastor. There's nothing wrong with using the title elder. It's what we have become accustomed to, and so that's the term that we use. But you'll notice that the apostle also identifies a second group of ministers in the Philippian church, and they're called deacons. I want you to turn from uh, Philippians chapter 1 to 1 Timothy chapter 3. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 8 through 13. We'll read these verses in just a moment. But while you're turning there, I want to give you a little history or understanding as to the word deacons. It is diakonois. It is the Greek word diakonois. And generally it refers to servants, those who carry out the demands of a leader or of a master. Those who carry out the demands of the leader or the master. Now, literally, the word diakonois means to raise the dust. To raise the dust. 
But that is not a reference to being combative or to being contentious. It simply means, or describes, if you will, the the attitude of deacons in carrying out their ministry. They are ready to go, they're ready to serve, they're ready to minister so quickly that they raise the dust as they go to do their work. Now, I've known churches where there has been tension, even conflict, that exists between pastors and deacons. And in that sense, they kind of raise the dust in common vernacular, uh, in, in an attitude of contention, animosity. But that's not what the original word diakonois refers to. It means to dispatch with speed. It means to carry out the orders of the master with all speed and quickness. The word deacons is always plural in the New Testament. Always plural in the New Testament. There are to be multiple deacons in the church, just as there are to be multiple pastors in the church. Now there are, and we talked about this last Sunday, there are numerous terms to describe the office or the work of the pastors of the church, but there's only one word to describe the office and the work of the deacon in the church. And that word is diakonois and its affiliated words, diakonu and so on and so forth. And they're all interpreted, they're all uh, with the, the understanding of servanthood. Servanthood. In some churches, deacons are the official board. They're the official board. Nothing is done in a church except first approved by the deacons. I've been in a couple of those churches. It was not a joyful experience. In other churches, deacons are a managing body. A managing body. When things need to be done, the deacons assess what needs to be done, how it needs to be done, and then they will delegate the work that needs to be done to various committees and various agencies in the church. I've experienced that on a couple of occasions. Works a lot better than having deacons as an official board. In this church, deacons are servants. Deacons are servants. They work with the pastors of the church to carry out the mission and the ministries of the church, primarily to the church membership, to those who have willingly and committedly joined the fellowship of this local church to carry on the work of Jesus Christ in this particular community and the surrounding area. Having been raised in church all of my life, I have an appreciation for deacons when they are true to their calling. When they're true to their calling. I've known and I've worked with many fine 
Christians who serve and continue to serve as deacons. My father was an active deacon in all of the churches that we attended when I was born, when I was growing up, and up until the time when he could not actively engage in family ministry, my father served as a deacon in the local church. And so that's my history and my understanding of the New Testament concept of deacon. But in considering the office of the deacon scripturally, biblically, the issue with regard to deacons is not so much what they do, but who they are. And so I want you again to look at 1 Timothy chapter 3, and we're going to be looking at a few things the Apostle Paul had to say to Timothy with regard to deacons in the fellowship. 1 Timothy chapter 3, beginning in verse 8. Likewise, deacons must be reverent, not double-tongued, not given to much wine, not greedy for money, holding the mystery of the faith with a pure conscience. But let these also first be tested, then let them serve as deacons, being found blameless. Likewise, their wives must be reverent, not slanderers, temperate, faithful in all things. Let deacons be the husbands of one wife, ruling their children and their own households, their own houses well. For those who have served well as deacons obtain for themselves a good standing and great boldness in the faith which is in Christ Jesus. The word likewise reaches back to what the Apostle Paul had to say about pastors or about bishops. He calls them bishops at the church in Philippi. He calls them bishops here in 1 Timothy, but he's referring to the pastor of the church. Deacons and pastors are to share the same quality of character uh, that the church would expect them to share, that the Lord Jesus Christ would want them to share. And so we're going to take a look at those qualities of character this morning. There are two specific areas in which the character of the individual who is to serve as a deacon is to be made manifest. And that's the, that's the emphasis of the Apostle Paul here. You'll notice as you read through these passages, again, there is no detailing of duties uh, that are listed here, but rather the Apostle describes or outlines the disposition of those who serve as deacons in the church. With regard to the duties of deacons, it's nowhere really outlined in the New Testament, which leads us to believe that the duties of deacons are to be determined by the pastors uh, of the churches or by the churches themselves. In whatever capacity 
that the local church would have the deacons to serve, that's where they will serve. That will then determine their responsibilities and duties. And so it's not what deacons do that is the emphasis of the Apostle Paul. It's who they are that is the emphasis of the Apostle. Because theirs is a ministry unto the Lord through serving his people. In Colossians chapter 3, verses 23 and 24, the Apostle Paul wrote, Whatever you do, do it heartily, as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. So, as I stated a while ago in the text, the Apostle Paul outlines two distinct areas of character that the church is to be concerned when selecting deacons. First of all, their personal character. Second of all, their spiritual character. And in each of these two distinct areas, there are four specific characteristics. First of all, in the personal characteristics, you'll find them in verse 8. 1 Timothy 3, verse 8. Four personal characteristics, the first of which is found in verse 8, when the Apostle Paul writes, likewise, deacons must be reverent. Deacons must be reverent. The word means admirable. It means honorable. It means reputable. It means to be serious-minded. Deacons are to take seriously the responsibilities that are given to them in the church. They are to be men of dignity. They are to be worthy of respect. Now, this doesn't mean that they can't have fun. It doesn't mean that they cannot enjoy fellowship with pastors and with uh, members of the congregation or with other folks. But it does mean that when it comes to serving the Lord in the church, they take that responsibility sincerely and they take it actively. They're not sluggards that wait around until a more opportune time. They are on the ready, quick to raise the dust in going to serve in what has been assigned them by the pastors and by the churches. Then, secondly, deacons are not double-tongued, verse 8. They're not to be double-tongued. They're not to say one thing to one person and the opposite to another person. That's dishonest. They are to be truthful, in all of their conversations with every individual in the church, every individual that they are serving. They're not to be gossips. If the families in the church are struggling spiritually or morally or financially or in any other area of their life, they are to help those families and not hinder them or hurt them through malicious gossip. They are to speak the truth in righteousness. 
And when it calls for confidentiality in the matters of ministry, then everyone they minister to should be confident that the deacon will keep those personal matters personal. Then in verse 8 again, deacons are not given to much wine. Now notice here, they're not given to much wine. This doesn't mean that they're to abstain from wine. Some churches hold that. Several churches where I have attended when I was younger held to that. I remember one instance when dad and mom went out for supper. I was probably in my early teens. Went out for supper and dad and mom had wine for supper. There happened to be a couple of church members in that same restaurant where they were eating. They reported that back to the church, and my father was called on the carpet for drinking wine. My father referred everyone to this passage of Scripture, that they're not to be given to much wine. It doesn't say that they're to abstain from wine. But what it does say is that they are not to be addicted to it. Nor should they be addicted to anything that will manipulate or modify their character, their conduct, or their conversation. While the apostle singles out the matter of wine here, because that was the most common drug of the day, This is to be applied to every area of consumption. There is not to be anything that a deacon would be addicted to that would cause his behavior, his conversation, his character to be manipulated. Deacons are to be clear in their thinking and always under the control of the Holy Spirit. I remember in college, one of my professors, Mrs. Frances Jennings, was professor of religious education, and she taught a class on cults, what the cults were and all the dynamics of cults and so on and so forth. I remember there was an individual who was coming to uh, the campus And he was a Christian hypnotist, a Christian hypnotist. And we were going to meet, the the entire um, campus was to meet in the Book of Life building, uh, which is a large auditorium, and uh, the Christian hypnotist was going to have a little fun with us. And I remember in class one day, this was prior to uh, the appearance of the hypnotist, a student asked, Uh, Dr. Jennings, uh, are you going to participate with uh, the activities of the Christian hypnotist? And you had to know Mrs. Jennings. Uh, She was very prim, very proper, stood at her lectern, didn't bat an eye, and she said, absolutely not. She said, I would never subject myself to the control of anyone or anything other than the Holy Spirit of God. 
That's what the Apostle Paul is getting at here. That pastors and deacons ought not to be under the control of anyone or anything other than the Holy Spirit of God. Paul told Timothy on one occasion, take a little wine for the stomach for medicinal purposes. But be careful not to subject yourself under the control of the wine. The fourth personal characteristic is also found in verse 8. Deacons are not greedy for money. They're not to be greedy for money. The word greedy means to make small gains their purpose or their intent for serving. And this can become a problem in a church if those who serve as deacons are not spiritually mature individuals. I knew one individual, it was a pastor, it wasn't a deacon, but I knew one individual who was called out late one night to go to a home and to counsel with the parents because they were having problems with their teenage son. And this was like 10, 30, 11 o'clock at night. And the counseling session lasted till about 1 or 2 in the morning. After the session was over, the pastor left, went back home, got his sleep. And the next day, he called the family and asked how things were going that morning. And they responded, things were going a lot better than they had been. Thank you, Pastor, for coming by and helping us with this situation. And he said, you're quite welcome. And then he sent them a bill for the counseling session. Ministers do not serve for financial gain. Their service is unto the Lord and unto the Lord's people. They're not to be greedy for money, to make small gains their purpose or their intent in serving. In the first Christian church, in Acts chapter 6, verses 1 through 4, which many call the proto-deacon, the pre-deacon deacon, These men were responsible for administering the resources of the church to those who were in need. And part of those resources included money. And so the qualifications that were outlined by the apostles in selecting these men who would be in charge of the administration of the resources had to be men of good a reputation, filled with the Holy Spirit and with wisdom. How disastrous it would have been had these men not been men of good reputation, filled with the Holy Spirit and with wisdom. 
how disastrous it would have been if some of them had been like Judas Iscariot. And it skimmed off of the top of the resources and kept them for themselves. Mishandling church resources is an important part of the work of deacons in the local church. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 9 and 10, the Apostle Paul tells young Timothy, those who desire to be rich fall into temptation as a snare and into many foolish and harmful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Greed cannot be a characteristic of the one behind the pulpit or of those who serve with the one behind the pulpit. Those are the four personal characteristics that the Apostle Paul lists, but he also gives us four spiritual characteristics that define who the deacons are. In verse 9, he says they are to hold the mystery of the faith with a pure conscience. They are to hold the mystery of the faith with a pure conscience. Now the word mystery means that which was once hidden but has now been revealed. That which was once hidden but has now been revealed. And here the apostle is referring to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he's basically saying deacons must be Christians. They may be good administrators. They may even be good organizers. They may be good hosts. They may be filled with compassion and they may have a heart for those who are in need. And someone may very well say that individual will make a great deacon because that individual knows how to marshal resources and to distribute resources because that's what he did in the military or that's what he did in some, or some other vocation. And that may be well in thinking. But what is imperative is the individual must be a Christian. There is a dynamic that is absent from the person who is not a Christian, and that is the spiritual leadership of the Holy Spirit. And that gives an individual discernment that he or she may not otherwise have. They must hold the mystery of the faith. They must be Christian, and they must do so with a pure conscience. Their conscience must be clear when they lay their head down on the pillow at night. Their conscience must not accuse them of betraying the convictions that they have as a Christian servant. Then secondly, in verse 10, they are to first be tested. The word tested means to be proven, and it's a reference to practical application. In other words, for deacons to be able to serve faithfully, they cannot be a novice. They need to be trained. 
Christians are not Christians because they can answer all the theological questions. And they're Christian because there is evidence in their lives that they have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And the same holds true with those who serve as deacons in the church. Deacons are deacons not because they go through a series of studies and pass the final exam. They are deacons because there is evidence in their lives that the Holy Spirit of God has demonstrated in and through the individual a spiritual attitude of service and ministry. That needs to be evident before an individual is even considered to be a servant in the church. But the apostle goes ahead and says, and when that is evident, then let him serve as a deacon, being found blameless, that is, without fault. Without fault, without weakness. Then in verse 10, and we'll expand on that, the apostle says that a deacon serves being found blameless. And that means to be morally without fault. Morally without fault. In verse 12, the apostle Paul says that deacons are to be the husbands of one wife. But that doesn't mean that they can never be divorced. What it does mean is, even if they are divorced, the cause cannot be moral impurity. It speaks of one's moral upstanding before God, that they live a moral life, even if they experience Divorce, it cannot be for moral reasons. It has to be from some other cause. Then there is a fourth characteristic, and that's found in verse 12. They rule their children and their own houses well. The word rule literally means to place in front of. It means to place in front of. With regard to the pastor, in chapter 3, verse 4, he's to be one who rules his own house well, having his children in submission with all reverence. It's the same idea here for the deacons. The household of the deacon is always to be in front of him. That means the first priority. Scripture also tells us that if A servant in the church is not able to manage his household well. How can he manage the house of God? If he cannot manage his own family, how can he manage the family of God? His family, her family, must be the first priority. They must be always in front of him. They become his primary Priority in matters of spiritual, moral, ethical life and conduct. And notice that he must manage his household well, meaning with authority and with discipline. That does not mean that he's to be a tyrant in the home. It doesn't mean that he is to slap kids into shape. It simply means 
that he has gained the honor and the respect in the home for being a man of God who teaches his household the principles of the kingdom of God, the moral and spiritual disciplines of the Christian faith. Now, these are the personal and the spiritual characteristics of deacons as outlined by the Apostle Paul. And again, their ministry, their work is not specifically defined because that differs from church to church and even from pastor to pastor. And you may be asking yourself the question, okay, so we've talked about pastors and we've talked about deacons. What does this have to do with joy in Christ Jesus? What does this have to do with joy in the church? Because that was the focus of the Apostle Paul in writing to the Philippians to begin with. He wanted to emphasize joy in the family of God, joy in the fellowship of the saints. What do deacons and what do pastors have to do with that. Well, look at Philippians 1 1 again. Paul and Timothy, bondservants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi with bishops and deacons. The only letter that the Apostle Paul writes who, who uh, defines the leadership of the church in his greeting. And he does that for a reason. I believe he mentions the pastors and he mentions the deacons in his greeting to convey the idea that when pastors and deacons work together as a team in the ministry of the church, the joy of the Lord in the church will be greatly enhanced. The qualifications for both the pastors and the deacons are virtually the same. They are to share share the same characteristics. They are to share the same quality in spiritual life. And if they do, then they team together to lead the church to accomplish what God desires the church to accomplish. What the Holy Spirit has been given to the church that they might minister the resources of the kingdom of God to the people that they serve. In our church, the deacon family ministry plan is our primary means of serving the Lord and the families of the church. Every member and every family of this church is placed under the care of a deacon who ministers to that family as needs are made known. Currently, we have 12 deacons that are involved in our deacon council. We've had as many as 19 deacons in our church, and we've had as few as six. But all who have served as deacons in this church have honored those characteristics outlined by the Apostle Paul in 1 Timothy chapter 3. I found them to be faithful servants of the Lord in this fellowship. And I'm proud to serve with them as their pastor. 
Now, if you are not assigned a deacon or if a deacon uh, is not uh, in charge of your care, uh, it may be that you're not a member of the fellowship of the church because their primary responsibility is to the body of Christ here in this particular fellowship. It may be that your deacon that you were assigned to originally no longer serves. Maybe they have retired from that office. And you need to contact uh, the pastors or you need to contact the deacons and discover who is the one who is in charge of your care. Sometimes, friends, when we don't keep in touch with each other, and that's been the case during this pandemic, when we don't keep in touch with each other, we lose contact and out of sight, out of mind. We need to reconnect. And we need to get back in touch with one another. And especially those whom the Lord has placed over us to minister to us. And if that is the case, then all you have to do is ask. All you have to do is pick up the phone. All you have to do is, is approach Brother Stanley or any one of a number of the deacons that are here, Brother Dylan, Brother Mike Dunn, uh, Brother Bob Esau. There are a number of our deacons that are here this morning. And just ask them. Share with them your concern. They'll be happy to be able to speak to you about the ministry that God has entrusted to them, that you have entrusted to them in this church. And so I would invite you to recognize these two offices that the Holy Spirit has given to the church, the pastors and the deacons. They do not lord over you. They're your servants. They serve the Lord by serving you. And together, when we serve together, we bring honor and glory to the name of Jesus Christ. The church is built up and strengthened. Needs are being met. The resources of the kingdom of God are used wisely in faithful stewardship. And the results are always joyful, joyful, joyful. Stand with me. David is going to come and lead us in a song, and we will then be dismissed. I am so enjoying our pastor series. Joy. Let's leave today with joy and let it shine brightly this new week ahead of us. I call going out each day the adventure with the Lord because we don't know what he's going to present to us. But we do know this, that if we wait upon him, it's going to be good. It's going to be good. Lord, I lift your name on high. Lord, I lift your name on high.
The Bible says, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. If you've never trusted in Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, we invite you to call on him now and through a simple prayer of faith, give your life to him. If you're not attending a church that honors the Bible as the Word of God, we encourage you to locate and begin attending such a church in the area where you live. The message you have just heard was preached from the pulpit of First Baptist Church, Winton, California. For more information on the ministry of First Baptist Church, Winton, please visit our website at wintonchurch.org.